0: I think I'm a special look What are we doing? What are we doing? All
1: right guys, uh, episode 25. What's up?
2: What's up? Your preview Getting ready yep. for the Euros. So if wow. you're
1: watching this, we got, a, we got a random guest up in the top left corner. No picture. What's up, Mike?
0: Good to see you, Catalana brothers. Always excited to be here. Um, I wish I could say the, the same, up. but I, I don't see you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. In, in the middle of an uh, abundance of different meetings right now, so I uh, didn't want to embarrass the pod and myself and my good friends. Um, so discretion um, is advised. And, uh, the next time you have me on the pod, I'll, I'll make up for it by wearing two different jerseys. I'll, I'll switch halfway through, through oh. the duration. You'll be like, Oh wow. Mike has a, another Jersey on. Okay. So that's how I'll, I'll atone for my, uh, my, uh, my errors today.
1: The next time you're on the pod, we're just going to change it to on the half turn with Andrew, Chad, and sometimes Mike.
2: <laughs> I'm just happy
1: to associate
2: your busy schedule.
0: Yeah.
2: The,
1: schedule. the other I'll call Mike, it goes straight to voicemail. I can never get a hold of this guy.
0: Andrew and I have been playing phone tech since we graduated
1: from college. All right, so Mike's not wearing a soccer jersey. Even if he was,
2: you wouldn't be able to see it. Chad, what are you wearing? Wearing uh, an old Dortmund Pulisic jersey, 22 on the back. It's
1: crazy because you definitely have more soccer kits than me, but you just rewear the same like four every episode.
2: Yeah, you would think I'd wear like an international one. Yeah, I, I, I actually looked in my
1: closet. The only international kits I have are uh, I have a, US, a couple U.S., a Mexico, a Colombia, and that's it. But no European team. So I wore this D.C. United Wayne Rooney jersey. So it's not a jersey.
2: It's just a T-shirt. European player on the back.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I wore it on here before, but me and some of my boys went down to Audi Field to watch D.C. United play. And it was like the first couple of games where Rooney was there. And like the Rooney hype was just going crazy. And we just thought it'd all be funny if we all just bought Wayne Rooney jerseys. So that's why I have this. Wow. Joke's on you guys. Yeah. Well, that dude, this thing's like vintage now. So. <laughs> um, so yeah, this episode, normally we'd start with like a lot of banter with Mike or talk about what we're doing, but like, we figured we'd get kind of right into the Euros here. Um, try to make it like short, kind of concise, a lot of good talking points. Um, so yours are coming up we're recording this on uh third right today's thursday yes sir tomorrow they start with uh the italy match so so this is coming out right as right as everything's starting um where is i honestly don't even know where it's being, hosted.
0: it's
2: being hosted so it's multiple
0: cities across multiple um multiple european cities what is there a main one well, I mean, there's several because you have uh, because tomorrow at the, that first game's in Rome, and then and so on. There'll be some some cities that they go into as well, um, like with other matchups pertaining to like a certain uh, European region. So, that was like the the big ploy of uh, the original thing for Euro 2020 because I think uh, like capping off uh, like the milestone it was as a tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like the original plan. Um which of course is why I think it was so quickly scrapped like last summer with COVID is because that, you know, inter travel is always going to be really tricky. So I think mm-hmm. they've gotten the, the handle on it now too. Yeah. I think it'd be, I
1: mean, I'm sure like every once in a while, that's a cool idea to have it in different locations. But to me, if it was all in one country, especially like one small country, like that seems cooler to me. You get more of that
0: that culture, you know? Yeah, and it definitely raises awareness of one country specifically as opposed to, you know, broadly a few nations.
1: Yeah. Um, so we're going to go kind of group by group, and then at the end maybe we'll make like like on the half-turn bracket or we'll just kind of pick our group winners and and see who gets the semifinals. Um, so, Mike, you want to start us off with Group A? Just kind of list the teams yeah. and then uh, a few talking points, and then me and Chad will kind of hop in if we think we got something to add.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, So, you know, starting off with group A, we have uh, uh, the Italians, uh, Switzerland, Turkey, and then Wales. Um, I think there's a lot to be said about this group, considering it's on paper, it's not necessarily a group of death. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think more broadly, you've got a lot of individual players um, within this group that have had successful years at the club level, Um, starting off with Italy specifically um this is a team that has been known you know throughout throughout probably you know the last decade and more historically for being a very defensively robust dominate the transition and set pieces and ultimately Mm -hmm. manage the game kind of team i think what you're seeing now with this team is a more um rounded out uh, you know attractive style playing group with um with midfielders like Nicola Borella and Manuel Locatelli, who have had very, very positive years um, mm-hmm. at, the, uh, at the club level. So I think now what we're going to be seeing from this team is uh, a good combination of both uh, of youth and, um, and veteran leadership in the form of, uh, you know, Giorgio Chiellini and Leonardo Bonucci at the back. Um, it, this is a team that I think, no matter what their rankings are in FIFA, always seems to have a a positive showing uh, when it comes to uh, the tournaments on the big stage, whether it be the Euros or, uh, you know, the World Cup. Oh, my God, that poster's coming undone. Yeah, I can't have it. (laughs) It just
1: keeps falling down. Keep going, Mike.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so on on that point alone, um, I think there's a lot to be said about this team. I think there's a reason why newly appointed Roma coach Jose Mourinho has picked this team to go to the semifinals. Um, and I think there's a lot of objective fans that could see that from this team too. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, in a manager uh, like Roberto Mancini, this is a guy that has not just a uh, great experience managing quality players at the club level with, uh, you know, clubs like Inter and Man City, but also, you know, being a, a, a great player in the national team and, um, and at the club level for, for clubs like Lazio and, um, and Sampdoria, I think, uh, I think there's a lot to be said about this team. Um, moving on to, uh, a team like the Swiss, of course, we know historically a lot of players based in, um, in the various teams, uh, you know, within the Bundesliga, like, Jan Sommer, um, Ricardo Rodriguez, who, who had a, a decent spell at, uh, Milan this past year. Um, so, or Torino, that is rather my apologies. Uh, so I think a lot of, uh, you know, this is, this is a solid team. I think this is a team that we always expect to uh, just be good enough to get into the knockout round. And that's usually mm. where they tend to run out of steam. Um, <laughs> that's so exactly like what I see. thought of them. Yeah, I think that's what we've kind of grown to, like, be accustomed to with the Swiss, a team that you're always delighted to see get to the knockout round. But I think some of these bigger teams probably are licking at their chops when the when the draw comes through the knockout rounds, hoping they get uh, a team. I always, uh, you know, equate Swiss to, you know, the Porto of uh, the European <laughs> Championships. <laughs> You pull you pull for them when they when they reach the qualification stage or anything after that, you're like, yeah, it's like I don't off. want to see
1: this team anymore. You know what I mean? Like, they're just.
0: Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. So and, and I think that brings an interesting point to the rest of this group, because with teams like Turkey and Wales that maybe have a player or two that can do something individually brilliant, mm-hmm. um, one of the big things I would say, especially as a talking point, is especially with uh, with this Turkish team with two young center backs like uh, Mary Demirel and and Caglar Soyuncu, who plays for Leicester City. I think you're um, we're kind of on the precipice of an exciting, you know, center back partnership that could be pretty dominant for the next couple of years. Not just within that national team, but within their clubs. So I think if if if, if there's a chance that the Turkish go through, I think it it would be you know largely down to those two. Um, a good point i love you
1: he's like been one of my favorite center backs for the past like two years
0: right and And i think a bigger talking point as well um is buric Ilmez. i think uh this is a guy that could be a dark horse to be up there with the top scorers just fired on leal into the league uh, championship as a 35 year old um this is a player that has been around for a long time and he's always seemed to done it no matter where he is um so i think uh I think he's definitely someone to look out for as far as who will be banging in the goals in this group from game to game. Um, so definitely someone I would say to watch more closely.
1: What was that? Um, what was his
0: name again? It's Burak Yilmaz. So uh, more importantly, this year he was uh, the top sc- scorer for Lille. Um, okay. He played a pretty okay. big role in them kind of wrestling away that legal title from from PSG. Um, so I think he'll be someone that'll be leading the line for Turkey and, um, and someone that'll definitely be a handful for the other three teams in this group defensively. Um, and then of course, you know, that kind of brings us to, to Wales. And I mean, this is a team we've seen kind of improve on the international stage for a few years now with uh, guys like Gareth Bale and, and Aaron Ramsey, um, you know, getting more into uh, the prime of their careers. Um, this is a team as well, that has a lot of players that are also pretty, um, prevalent in in the league championship mm-hmm. um as well as the premier league um a team that's probably going to look to be defensively organized and and manage the game as best they can um but i think interestingly enough if you want my my further opinion on this group i think this group is going to be placed the way it exactly reads so italy taking out that top spot with switzerland and turkey finishing second and third respectively and then wales finishing in that in that final place really?
1: um so to me yeah. from the like just from a lot of times in the tournament, people are quick to be like, oh, that team's a dark horse. So they just put them in. It's like, it, it sounds like Turkey has like the makings of a dark horse, but you don't think they'll be able to get up to that second spot?
0: I don't, I don't think um, they're as complete as some of the other dark horses. And there's actually kind of a dark horse mm-hmm. I'm going to point to in our next group. But I think nice. there's definitely something to be exciting about with this young center back partnership in Soyonshu and Demerel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think still a lot of holes in this squad, um, with some young and up and coming players, but being, it is probably going to be their first actual tournament. Um, I think, uh, it'll be a big test for them. Cause I think we also have to account for what's been a long and grueling year at the club level in a season like no other, how will people take that into the European championships right now? So good point. we'll um, see if it plays out that way. When you're talking about, so like you're,
1: you're part Italian or whatever the story is, you're pretty much you're, you know, Italy fan, right? You're, you're Italian. Uh,
0: father was born in Italy. Um, but you know, if, if the United States were playing this European championships, you know who I'd be rooting for, but yeah, definitely have an affinity for the Italian national yeah. team when they do play. But, um, but yeah, try to be as objective as possible oh, um, in this group A for you guys. Well, you're the
1: expert. <laughs> That's why we gave you group A. So is this like, I don't, you know, from the outside, I, like I know a lot of the Italian players or whatever, is this like a, Italy, like, is this Italian team good enough to, to win the Euros? Like, not just on a game-by-game basis, but, like, how does it stack up with Italian teams of the past or what other people perceive as the strongest teams in Europe?
0: I think what people are getting excited of um, within this Italy team is that this team can have sustained periods of possession and break teams down mm-hmm. um, that on paper are, uh, you know, look tactically stronger than they are. Um, this is a team that, you know, several months ago went, you know, to the Netherlands in Amsterdam and dominated them, kind of beating the Dutch at their own game. Um, you know, this is a team now that, you know, they play, they play a 4-3-3 usually. Um, mm-hmm. You know, their midfield rotations really look to break lines of pressure and they really look to play on the front foot. So this mixture of kind of these old veterans at the back. Um, combined with some of these younger players in central and wide areas, I think is a nice mixture. And Mm. on top of the fact, the strength of this Italy team has always been um, the collective. So uh, I think this enthusiasm about the national team that you've kind of seen within the camp and with a manager like Roberto Mancini, who's on the younger side of things and probably likes to play more of a progressive style Mm. while still maintaining like some of the values of Italy, like, you know, defensive solidarity and, and togetherness. Um, I think that's like a nice recipe going forward and I think there's something to be said about you know a guy like Jose Mourinho who spent quite a bit of time in Serie A and you know has been one of the more successful managers of um, the last 20 years you know saying that this is a team that can go to the semifinals as well I think a lot of people would largely um, agree with that too. I see even from you know my perspective which is just like watch Serie A
1: every now and then like I, I know a lot of the players like this team seems like like you'll be a lot of fun to watch, like, like the midfield, you mentioned like Burrell, uh, Locatelli, Verratti, like all of those guys seem like they're like ball players. Like they're, they're It sounds like they're going to play like a good style, uh, get their wing backs up in the attack too. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about, I think the three of us just in, you know, random conversations that sometimes it can be um, a limitation and sometimes it can be a strength for a Mm -hmm. team that you're not sure where the goals are going to come from, which I think with this Italy team in recent years, there's not like a prolific number nine that, you know, is just going to kill off every chance. Mm -hmm. I think that's a strength in this team that the opposition will have to understand that they don't know where the goals are going to come from. And I think that means that teams are going to have to be open-minded to, you know, not uh, rule out any kind of threat on the attack from this team. So I think that's something to look to as well. That's good stuff. I'm pretty sure I have Chiesa as a res-
1: I don't know if I have them as a reserve or something on my Euro fantasy team. So hopefully.
0: Yeah, through. exactly. So guys like, you know, Federico Chiesa, um, of course, Lorenzo and Signe guys that largely had, um, you know, a successful club season um, as individuals, I think they'll go ahead and they'll, they'll take that momentum into the tournament for sure.
1: Cool. So we're going Italy, Switzerland, one and two. Do you think Turkey Turkey finishes third. Do you think they're a good enough third place to go through?
0: I think so. I think largely it'll depend to, uh, you know, some of those other markers like points and goal differential. And maybe that's mm-hmm. where we talk about a guy like Berg, he can probably make the difference there too.
1: Sweet. So you think, so three will advance. All right, cool. Um, you want to go to group B,
0: Mike? Should, okay, yeah,
1: let's talk Wait, to group Chad, B. Chad, you got <laughs> anything on on group A? You've been looking forward to this Euro for a while now, man. You've been prepared.
2: No, no, just the only thing. I think Chiesa is going to be uh, really good. I was the one that told you to pick Chiesa in your (laughs) team. So that's a player who I think is going to be really good. And I I think he's going to be the best player for
0: Italy. Old, I love that statement. We'll see if that comes true tomorrow. Yeah, so, I mean, going to Group B, um, this is another interesting um, Mm – Group where we have probably a known quantity in Belgium and then three probably more largely unknowns um, in Denmark, mm-hmm. Finland, and Russia. Um, I think that, uh, you know, this Belgium team has a lot of individual players that are coming off um, really positive seasons for their club, mm-hmm. um, more specifically, you know, Romelu Lukaku for Inter, um, Kevin Debrano, hopefully he's, he's 100% i um, going for the rest of uh, the tournament from Man City. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of interesting pieces here. This is a team that we expected a little more from at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, you know, what? there's a lot of pieces. I think there's a lot to be said in comparison of this Belgian team to this France team. Um, you know, some players that are individually brilliant that um, – that, you know, but are they going to be match winners? I mean, I think it's something to be said that, you know, Eden Hazard had a pretty lackluster season for Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. Um, guys like Dries Mertens probably in the twilight of their career. Um, so, you know, I think it's going to be really, you know, really interesting. Uh, haven't done a whole lot of depth into this Belgium team just because of the, the like – you know, the, some of the, the season that some of these guys have had. Yeah. Um, but of course, for a guy like Romelu Lukaku, who thrives on service, mm-hmm. I think that one of the bigger questions is going to be, are the, are the right players, you know, in that front four or five or six, going to be uh, going to be able to provide him with what he needs, you know, other than Kevin DeBrona. So I think that'll be a good talking point.
1: Lukaku seems to me like a pretty obvious uh, golden boot candidate, other than he'll he probably won't take free kicks or penalties, but like from the run of play, you could just see him getting a goal like just about every game. The team just looks so strong. Like, like you were saying, you haven't like dove too deep into it, but like it's because we already kind of know all of the players. Like a lot of these lower European teams, it's like they have a player or two and they have to be the focal point of that team. But like this Belgian team is so good that like no one really needs to be the focal point. Like you could mix guys up and uh you know, mix them around and stuff. Um
0: I do. Yeah, think-
1: exactly. One thing that was, like, kind of concerning, everything I'm reading is saying that Axel Witzel is going to be starting, which, like, didn't he tear his Achilles, like, early in the season for Dortmund?
0: I thought he did as well. It seems like he's made the team. I mean, we know guys like, you know, I think, is it um – who is it? There, there's been a few questions. I mean, I think one of the – a player that you got to be happy for that's made this team is Leandro Trossard, who plays for Brighton in the Premier League. Oh, huh? um, he's he's someone that I think has really worked his way kind of out of the shadows and had really humble beginnings. So I think one of those stories we kind of have to like tip our hats to, but I think look for a guy as well, like Yuri Tillemans who had a really positive season for Leicester the whole year. Um, I think hopefully he'll carry that, um, that momentum forward and then i think there's going to be talking points like like other role players in this squad like your your yannick harasses and your your timothy Castans, Who he's also a lesser player um where these guys shape up and um what their contribution level is yeah. um so yeah i mean a lot of points there um i think this team has a uh, you know we i think we're all pretty much in agreement that this team will will probably be group winners and i think we consider it a shock if they weren't i think our question with belgium now is um you know are they going to be a team that uh that gets up for come the knockout stages i'm still not convinced yeah
1: i would i would say the same thing like just going through the team like i love Tielemans, but like the defense is like pretty old like alderwild vertongen like i don't know who else they're going to play back there this to me sounds like a team that dominates in the group stage and then just doesn't live up to expectations like come the knockout rounds. Um, unless that front three or four is just absolutely, you know, destroying teams.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think we can definitely attribute and, and chat. I mean, let me know if you want to add on to this, but this aging group of defenders in this squad, um, you know, uh, like you said, Andrew, Toby, Adevera, Dan Vertonian, even Thomas Vermalin. Um, <laughs> mean uh, you're, you're t- <laughs> You're talking, you're talking about a player that's called up for a prominent national team and he's playing for Vissel Kobe in Japan. It's, it's not something we normally see. Um, so I think it just, it's a lot to be said about who's available for this team and, and who's going to, you know, go ahead and step up. Um, especially these guys that, you know, at their tender years of age, you know, they're known to pick up knocks in games and, and may not be able to go to the full tournament. So, um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, from there, I think there's a, uh, there's a point, And I think Chad, you and I were even talking about this at one point. I don't think we have a clue of, you know, what is Bashuai to, to the, to whatever league he plays. And I mean, he's had these loan spells now he had that, you know, that money move to Chelsea and he's kind of bounced around now with kind of like, you know, this, this journeyman status on his back. Um, like what, what are your thoughts? What, what, are, what is like the next step for him, you know, on, on, in this national team and, and going forward too.
2: You're right. Like, isn't he? Doesn't he play at Palace still?
0: Yeah, he's still on the books at Palace. Who, you know, and I don't want to get in the weeds here, but they're searching for another manager. You know, does that buy up his future? And and with a guy like Lukaku, that just had such a stellar club season, it almost seems like his uh, his time, you know, having a prominent role in this national team might be coming to an end before he knows it.
2: I don't know. I feel like he could be good for the national team. Leaving his club situation aside, you you've seen what Belgium has. Uh, up front at the number nine. Uh, They've had Benteke, Lukaku, Bashoi, like very similar players, all three of them. So maybe Lukaku picks up a knock or something. Bashoi can come in and play the role. Um, We saw in throwing it back 2014 World Cup, didn't Lukaku start? And then Benteke came in. It was like against the United States. And it was like a similar, uh, similar play style between those two. You're really throwing it back, man. Hey, that's just what came to mind. <laughs> Dude, I oh, always liked
1: that. Play. I always
0: thought he was really good. Yeah, I think, um, so I guess overall with this Belgium team, I the questions we got to ask, you know, how prepared are they for the knockout rounds and how prepared are some of these reserve players that probably aren't in the starting 11? How prepared are they to step into a game and, you know, change it on its head? Um, but, I mean, yeah, going forward, uh, I think one of the teams that actually is a less obvious one that I'm more excited to talk about is, is Denmark. Yeah. Um, this is a team that in recent years has really not only climbed the FIFA rankings, um, but has also been um, much more of a consistent performer in qualifying. Uh, I mean, their leadership at the back just speaks volumes with the guys like, uh, like Kasper Schmeichel, whose father actually won – this champ of the European championships back in 1992 for Denmark um, which is like one of the uh, you know the fairy tale um, results in in international soccer Um, so I think with him at the back there and he's been such a stellar performer now for um, for for the Danish national team and for Leicester City um, Mm -hmm. in the last several years I think he could be um, you know a standout performer for them again um, and someone that we'll look forward to that they'll surely rely on too, to, you know, not only, um, lead the team with, um, with his presence, but also, you know, with his ability to make saves and change matches that way. Um, kind of going through the spine of the rest of this team, uh, in defense, Simon care had a really strong year for Milan, getting them back into the champions league. Mm-hmm. Um, and then guys, of course, like uh, Christian Eriksen having a strong year winning Serie A with Inter. And then, of course, um, pierre Emil Hojbeg, who we've known to be much more of a guy that uh, that puts in the hard yards and covers a lot of ground and, um, you know, breaks up plays. I think a lot of people would argue that he was, you know, behind Harry Kane and, and Song Yongmin, min you know, Spurs player of the year. Um, so I think there's, there's some good little pieces in this Danish team, along with, you know, Thomas Delaney from Borussia Dortmund. Um, so, so I think there'll be a, a nice, um, there'll be a nice piece of this group. And I think they will be thrilled with, with hopefully looking to compete for that, uh, one of those knockout spots.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I look think
0: again, um, sorry, Mike, when I, a lot of times
1: when I look at some of these teams, it's like, like I look at like, a you know, I'll watch a lot of club soccer in Europe and I don't necessarily know who's like, which nationality somebody is right. And then, like, when I see them together in the national team and I just see a bunch of players, I'm like, oh, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. Then before you know it, you have a team of guys who you know are pretty good. And, like, like that's what this Denmark team is. Like, there's five or six guys. You're like, yeah, he's good. I, I watch him all the time. He's good. Like, uh, this team seems like a dark horse to me. Yeah, I, I would agree
0: with that. And, Chad, I think you got to talk about, you know, especially with your Borussia, Borussia Dortmund shirt on, right? I mean, Thomas Delaney just won the German Cup. Um, this year with with Dorman I mean as a guy that you know has won things at a certain level isn't there something to be said about bringing like trophies and that winning mentality to a national team where guys probably haven't um, probably hadn't haven't had that success at the club level it's like infectious at some point right
2: definitely I, I mean I don't know if we're going to touch on this later talk about our dark horses but a little sneak peek I think Denmark's my dark horse I mean, if you look across the board, all players playing really top five leagues. I mean, people look at the U.S. national team, and be like, "Ah, he plays in the, he plays here, he plays there, he plays there." Look at the Denmark team. Like, I, feel like, if you're looking at the leagues where they play, they're stacked. Chando's all about winning trophies and
1: being a culture builder. <laughs> 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 Thomas Delaney, he's he's American, man. He could have won a, a Concacaf yeah, Nations. Park American. There. Wow.
0: That's that's controversial on this podcast.
1: I don't know what the connection is. I just know somehow he's like American, kind of like Giuseppe Rossi.
0: Yeah, of course. He's the he's the Giuseppe Rossi of Denmark.
1: <laughs> Danish dis- um, Giuseppe. Um, <laughs> so we we're, we're all in agreement that Denmark's probably finishing second here and they're you know something to be reckoned with in the knockout rounds. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, as we kind of look more down this list, I think a team that could really edge Denmark out for that second spot would, of course, be the Russians. Um, We know (laughs) they have a little bit of pedigree in this competition. Um, And of course, they had a a decently successful, um, you know, World Cup showing um, back in 2018. Um, I would say the thing about this Russian team is uh, there's a lot of aging stars within it. Um, And this is a this is a Russia team that uh you know what you're gonna get and you know that it, it there's not a lot of goals in this team I mean they're largely drawing games one one or winning games one nil throughout qualifying and throughout their warm up games mm-hmm. um you know this is a team that in the qualifiers narrowly beat Slovenia and Slovakia two one apiece um and even had a, a horrible Nations League showing back in November against Serbia losing to them five nil um so you know. I, I think there's, there's a lot to be said that maybe that, uh, that decent run, um, from them in, in the world cup in 2018 is probably largely down to their host status. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, th- you know, it's definitely not a place that I would, uh, you know, that I would put my name behind. Um, mm-hmm. you yeah, but we know this is obviously a big federation. Um, this is a team that, that certainly has some tournament pedigree to it. Um, but yeah, it, it looks like at least from results, performance, and, and players that are currently available that, um, that it's not really a lot of a team that I think a lot of people would be pulling for necessarily. Yeah, it doesn't seem
1: like a team I would root for. They have the big, uh, what I forget his name, the six foot six guy. He plays up top.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I think it's Juba. I don't know his name, but yeah, the Russians seem big, kind of boring, tough, tough to break down.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think the one team that people would be more excited to talk about. Is Finland and their frontman Timo Pukki, who has been scoring goals for fun ever since he arrived at Norwich City.
1: <laughs> well, Did he have a good season this season?
0: Yeah, you know, he largely played a role in the reason why Norwich is going right back up to the Premier mm. League after spending one yeah. season in the championship. Um, so, you know, another guy in probably like a Beric Yomez type situation. Is he going to, you know, score a few goals here and there? We'll see. But um, I, think, I think all in all, the Finnish are just happy to be in this tournament. They'll take games as they come, and I think they'll largely just enjoy the experience. So if we had to round it out um, in this group, I'd probably say um, you got the Belgians finishing in first um, with the Danish finishing behind them in second. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and say, you know, Finland has a little bit of, uh, of a high note in here and finishes third, and we're going to put the Russians in fourth at the bottom. Fourth. I like it. You see Finland as a team that could make it through as a third place or no? I see Finland as a team that uh, that probably will not be I think they'll just be happy to pick up some points here and there. And I think they'll definitely just work hard as a group. They're um, here for and for, and for a good time, goals. not a long time. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: <laughs> I'll be rooting for the finish. Would you say that's what they're called? Who? So I'll be rooting for them, the finish. The finish. Yeah. <laughs> nice.
1: How long you been waiting for, to say that joke, bro?
2: Since the groups came
1: out. All right, cool. So group a, we have Italy, Switzerland, and probably Turkey moving on group B. We have Belgium and Denmark moving on. We all agree. Denmark can make some noise. Uh, have some questions about Belgium in there. Um, all right, cool. So I'll kind of take the lead on uh group C. So my approach with a lot of this stuff was like, like I said earlier, a lot of these European teams, I don't really know much about them until I start to look at their roster and I see where they play. And I'm like, Oh, I know that guy. Oh, this guy's good. That guy's good. So what I'll do is like, I, I just like, we'll just go on like Google news or something and try and read a lot of like the, like what the, what the papers are saying, like previews, and then like try to like combine them a little bit and, uh, and see if there's like a trend. And if, you know, if multiple people are saying it, then it's, probably how that team's gonna play um so the netherlands so we'll start group c's netherlands austria ukraine and north macedonia netherlands obviously like the you know big team in the group um didn't make 2018 world cup so like it always seems like they're producing so many good players it's just sometimes it doesn't equal national team success um one of the big storylines here is frank de boer their manager it's so like on the hot seat, like all of the time. He was the manager at uh, Atlanta United, got canned. Um, t- to me, it seems like like people don't really like him as the manager of uh, as the, of the Dutch either. So I don't really know what the deal is there. Apparently, they're going to play somewhat of a 4-2-3-1, maybe with uh, Wijnaldum and Frankie De Jong as the double pivot there. Um, talks about Luke De Jong playing up top. And from what I hear, he's slow immobile big guy hold up play kind of thing and um you know one of the things i want to look for is you know where are they going to play memphis to pie because everyone knows of him as the flop from manchester united a few years ago but like since he's moved on he's been like really good we saw it in the champions league in 2020 he's like a legit like almost world-class player like he's getting rumored to to barcelona and everything so i think he fits there so i kind of want to see where uh where he plays but yeah that's it's the obvious team in this group that, you know, I think they'll top the group. Um, you guys have anything to add on the on Netherlands?
0: Yeah, I think one of the interesting pieces here is how much is, is, um, is this national team going to miss Virgil van Dijk? Um, yeah. This is a guy that, you know, we associate with a lot of Liverpool's success in recent years. Um, And I'm just curious to see how it's going to be, you know, with him not being part of a major tournament and who's going to step up and maybe fill the pieces. Um, I know, you know, Matthias DeLitt had a great um, had a great year for Juventus. Mm -hmm. Um, It'll be curious to see if he carries that momentum into the tournament, too. And and also who will, you know, who will partner him? You know, there's guys like Stefan DeVry and and Yul Veltman. Mm -hmm. um and and how that will go but I think like you touched on something really important Andrew I think this is really at this point his career the only job that Frank DeBoer could take some satisfaction in having I mean this is a guy that was literally at Crystal Palace for a manager uh, for a matter of months I think the same case with with Inter Uh um so yeah I mean it it's going to be kind of sink or swim for this team again like I think we've we've asked a lot of questions of, of these guys and um especially with a guy like Luke DeYoung, you know, back to goal, it seems like he's going to be, uh, you know, I think center back partnerships will be excited to play against him largely through the <laughs> run of play. That's what, as a center
1: back, when I play center back, I'd rather play against a big guy like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's no excuses for not getting out of this group I would think. And uh, one thing you mentioned with, uh, with the lit is I, I feel like center backs, a lot of time, it's hard to judge them because they w- a lot of times center backs don't develop till they're a little bit older like, just in general, when you look at, like, the top, top center backs, they're normally a little bit older. Even, like, Van Dijk really broke out as a world-class player by the time he's 26, 27. So the fact that the Lit did that and captained the Champions League final, uh, Champions League semifinal team, moved to Juventus, and, like, you would know, Mike, he had a rough start there. And uh, from all I hear, he's had, like, a really good season this season. Um, yeah. So this is, yeah. like, coming out party as, like, he's got rid of that, you know, that bad start and he's like the real deal. I think that's the best way you could say it. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So next up is Austria. So I don't know. I just look at their team and they have a few guys that like, I think everybody would know David Alaba, Marcel Sabitzer and Arnautovic. And other than that, I didn't, I don't recognize a lot of the guys. I don't know much about them, but I just look at that team and I'm like, yeah, I know them. Uh, I read three or four articles talking about how they want to be a possession based team. Uh, I'm guessing David Alaba is going to play as one of the outside backs. And apparently they use their outside backs a lot in attack. They'll either get up wide or tuck inside, something like that. Uh, obviously Sabitzer was crazy. You know, this season, last season, it's done really well. Um, and most of their team is Bundesliga players. Um if you just go on their roster just start searching them up, they're, they're almost all Bundesliga players. So they're probably that kind of possession-based gang impressed type team when you lose the ball because that's the, the normal style
0: in, in Germany. Yeah, that's a good point, Andrew. And, I mean, also this is an Austria team that historically has never gotten out of the group stage at a European championship before. Mm-hmm. And they were pretty cruelly knocked out of that as well last in 2016. So I think – um you know they'll definitely, you know, when you look at this group, they'll definitely be looking at it and saying, "Man, you know, we should be really looking to go ahead and and push for that second spot and, and get out of this group and kind of break that duck of never going through before."
2: Yep, um, a play wait Andrew, <clears throat> a player that uh, I've been hearing about a lot His name is named Sasha Kala, and then J D Z I D I C. I can't pronounce it, but six foot seven. Nope. Striker banged in a lot of goals for Stuttgart. I guess he's a similar player to De Jong. Maybe see a lot of set piece goals in this group. Okay. Maybe get a little ugly with it and just start. Yeah. So I'm saying that's a player that, uh, Good player to watch. Yeah. For, for, uh, Austria. Cool. Um,
1: can't say I have a lot to say about the Austrians. Uh, next up, Ukraine. So this is a team just looking at it. Seems like they have the making of, uh, of a dark horse. They're managed by, uh, I'm gonna get this wrong. Shuchenko, Shinchenko. He was big when I was little, like when I first started getting into soccer. Um, you know, I, I just remember he was like one of the better strikers in the world at the time, really good on FIFA. And there was this one kid that like I played soccer with when I was little and he would just wear a Shuchenko jersey every practice. like Tuesday practice he wore it, Thursday practice he wore it. So that was the first thing I thought of when I heard that he was the manager. I just remember this dude wearing his jersey um so you know i think it's cool like you, you have a, a ukrainian legend literally leading the team it'd be like landon donovan coaching the coach the men's national team <laughs> or greg Berhalter. he's a legend it. too <laughs> um so some of the guys they have Yarmolenko. uh i'm gonna get this wrong but Malinowski from Atlanta. Always play a good style, and then Zinchenko from Manchester City. I'm I'm guessing will play as a central midfielder. Um, so if he has any influence on the team, they'll keep it. They'll try and be like a little methodical. Um, that's that's what I have on Ukraine. Uh, without too many details about how they play, there's a lot of people that are kind of excited to see them play in this tournament. So seems like a lower end kind of uh, dark
2: horse in this tournament like it. That could be a team that just, you know, grinds out some games, works mm-hmm. hard. Might sit back against the bigger teams like the Netherlands. But <laughs> there's no other bigger teams, maybe Austria, I guess. If they were to advance. <laughs> yeah. there, there's a lot of teams in Europe when they play against like the big giants. Mm-hmm. Um that will just try and grind out some games. I think mm-hmm. Ukraine is one. Um
1: yeah, and then round out the group is North Macedonia, it's their first Euro ever I actually found out the other day. I was listening to a podcast with uh, Vlatko, the women's national team coach. He's Macedonian, so he was pretty excited about them playing. But yeah, I don't I think this is their first ever major tournament. If if I read that right, Um, wasn't a whole lot about him. Alyoski from Leeds plays left back for him. Uh, I just kind of assumed they would be fourth. Here for a good time, not a long time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: and of course, Champions League winner with Inter Milan, Goran Pandev leads the line at the ripe old age of, I think I have it written down here. Oh, man. Talk about uh, a seasoned veteran at the ripe old age of 37. He'll be 38 on July 27th. You're saying he won the Champions League in 2000, what, 10? He, yeah, he won mm-hmm. the Champions League with Inter, whatever year that was. I think it was, yeah, 2010 or mm-hmm. 2011, that is.
1: Wow. Yeah, so um, I'm thinking, uh, I don't want to get you know, 10, sorry. too uh, too cool with it, but I'm thinking Netherlands tops the group and Ukraine comes in second. What do you guys think? You think Austria Let's finished say, the second?
0: I would say Austria. Um, okay. But you know what? I think there's something to be said about this group of Ukrainian players. You know, a lot of these guys play – or you know they're either Dynamo Kiev guys or they're Shakhtar Donetsk guys, so um, you know maybe they they've got some sort of piece together that uh, that might be good for cohesion. But I think uh, no, I think I think it's a nice it's a nice point, Kat. So maybe we either uh, or. Maybe, maybe we say Austria
1: finishes second, but Ukraine gets in as one of those third place spots, assuming everyone picks up three points against uh, against North Macedonia. Maybe they get their goal
0: differential up a little bit. Yeah, I think everyone will be looking at this group with North Macedonia seen as a built-in three points. No offense <laughs> to North Macedonia.
1: <laughs> comes it comes with three free points. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, so we have the Dutch, then we have Austria, we have Ukraine getting through on third. Um, all right, so Group D. This group is pretty interesting just because it has England. I mean, anything with England uh, is just like – super like overanalyzed maybe it's just because in the U.S. we watch the Premier League so much same language so it's easy to pick up on all the news stories and whatever but uh England Croatia Scotland Czech Republic um, so you know pretty interesting that Croatia and England played each other in the in the World Cup as well um, you know if you're listening to this you probably already know most you know all of the English players but I think one of the things to look at is in the world cup, they played like a 3-5-2. and all reports are saying that they'll probably go with a four, three, three. Um, this, this, uh, Euros. So expect my boy, John stones to be playing in the center of the park center back. Um, two guys. I really want to see are Mason Mount. Like, you know, he, he showed up in the champions league, showed up for club this season and maybe he just balls out this tournament and is literally just like a world star at this point. Um, A lot of people, a lot of newspapers and stuff are saying they might play with two center mids. So maybe it's Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice partnership, Um, something like that. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe they have two defensive mids in front of their two center backs and, uh, you know, let their four attacking players just kind of do their thing. And they don't have to worry too much about defending because
2: they'll probably have a lot of the ball anyway. I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with all the attacking options. Mm -hmm. Now I feel like some English players might be kind of selfish and want to be the ones to, you know, be the star on the team Mm -hmm. with so many wingers, so many attacking players. And I even think Mason Mount uh, is expected to play as like just a center mid alongside uh, Rice. Mm Yeah. 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 They're really just keep
1: pushing them deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Kane's obviously going to be like he's going to take all the penalties. He's going to uh, he should be scoring a goal like every game at this point if they're winning. So like he's another good one for top goal scorer or something like that, or even the you know it's just like a little like prop bet every time every time they play. Like Kane's likely to score. Uh, it, it stinks if there's so many attacking options and Grealish doesn't get in the team because like I would really like for Grealish to start, but a lot of what I'm reading doesn't think he's going to start. That could just be speculation or whatever, but Um, Kyle Walker, I guess is expected to play right back, even though like they could feel the full 11 of like really good right backs. Trent Alexander, Arnold Reese James. They're all, they're all on the bench. Uh, Chilwell probably playing left back. So big Harry Maguire, center back as well so that's always interesting like anytime england play is always pretty interesting uh go to croatia next i mean like i don't have a whole lot of notes like they're just a good team like the team will just run through Modric like it did in the world cup i th- that croatia team was really good and modric was really good like that wasn't a world cup final caliber team i just think they got kind of lucky that i don't know they just had an easy road to the final so like i would just kind of assume croatia puts up a good showing here and at least advances to the, to the next round. What do you think? Do you have anything else to say about Croatia?
0: Yeah, I think, I, I think now with Mario Mandzukic retiring from the national team a few years ago, um, you know, following that world cup, I think, yeah, this team lacks a focal point in the Mm -hmm. attack. Um, and I think that'll probably, you know, cost them from, you know, coming back down to earth a little bit, especially in this tournament. So yeah, a team you'd want and you'd expect to get out of the, uh, the group stages, but hard to really decipher how much further they'll go past that.
1: Yeah. And to be honest, Croatia is one of those teams where like, I can't really pronounce anybody's name. So like the, the, <laughs> the names just don't stick in my head. And then I watch them or read the name and I'm like, yeah, I know that guy. He's actually like, really good. And then so like, I'll start watching them and then I'll probably love this team, but, um. Then you have Scotland and Czech Republic. I I really like the Scotland team. Got Andy Robertson, John McGinn, Billy Gilmore, Kieran Tierney, Scott McTominay. Like all of these guys are just like really good players. Um, So like if there's a team to challenge for that second spot, I think it's Scotland.
0: And I think the way their schedule is set up as well, playing the Czech Republic in their first game, Mm. if they're able to get a positive result from that, I think that could give them a lot of belief early on this tournament, and could set up the group nicely. Like when it rounds itself out.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you know, there's the there's an argument to be said. Like if you play the Czech Republic last, maybe they're already out of it and they don't, you know, they don't try as hard. But you know, I think you got all that belief to get a three points and start off on the right foot let England and Croatia beat each other up a little bit.
0: Yeah. And I think on that point too, I mean, we're talking about a team that really, you know, went through the hard way when it came through to qualifying. So this is a team that's built a little bit tougher. I think they're able to suffer for large periods in games um, Mm. and kind of, you know, be patient with their moments, especially to, to get forward and take their chances. And I mean, just like you said, looking through this team, there's a lot of players with Premier League experience and even coming up successful seasons whether it be in Scotland yeah. or um or in England itself so definitely one of the more exciting teams I think we're going to see this team um with some of the players that are playing in it and, and their form reminds me a lot of that Wales team we saw at the last year was that went on a decent run so you know hopefully we're going to see more of the same from the Scotland team yeah and I've been on this podcast
1: before saying Scott McTominay's like just about there for me to consider him like a a world-class number six I guess you could say like, I don't know who's – you know, there's not a whole lot of guys that I would say are definitely better than him at what he does. And he's better than you think with the ball at his feet and passing out of, out of trouble, so. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, I think along with Scott McTominay, especially, like, running through kind of the core of that team, you got guys like Liam Cooper, who captains leads, mm-hmm. um, and, and Grant Hanley, who played a big role as well in getting Norwich promoted back up to the Premier League. And then, um, you know, Kieran Tierney, who had really uh, – you know, he's been a really impactful player for Arsenal when he's been on the field yeah. and when he hasn't been injured. Um, so I think there's a lot of good stuff to look through throughout this whole team in every position.
1: Yeah, I like Kieran Tierney as well. And then last,
0: uh, Czech Republic.
1: Um, I should have a couple notes. A lot of people are saying they'll play um, two center mids. as like a double pivot. They'll press with their front four. I don't know if it's like a high press or that's just – kind of what they do. Uh, and part of that double pivot is Suchek from West Ham. Really good season this year. Obviously, West Ham was really good. So uh, that's another one kind of like Northern Macedonia and the other group. I'm just kind of penciling in as last place. But, I mean, I'm sure they have the quality, much more quality than Macedonia on that team to, to snag a win or a couple of draws. <laughs>
0: Yeah, this is not um, – this is definitely not like the Czech Republic team of 2006 with guys like Pavel Nedved and Thomas mm-hmm. Um And, you know, um, I think Jan Koller, another another one to, to say the least. This is a lot of guys that are really either based out of uh, – either based out of the Czech Republic itself or kind of, you know, scattered across Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot will be going back to, you know, that first game with Scotland. Um, I think will reveal a lot about, you know, this team and, uh, you know, and the Scottish team too. Yeah. So, uh, uh, realistically, I don't know if it actually makes sense,
1: but uh, I'm going to have England and Scotland as my first two, and then Croatia as a third place that that goes through. So, we're definitely going to need to drop a few third places coming up.
0: I like those picks, Andrew.
2: All right. There we go. Scotland's a –
1: Dark what did you say, Chad?
2: You two both were saying that Croatia is, like, the second team, and you guys both put them third. I
1: think they're pretty, like, solidly thought of as the second team, but, like, we also both agreed that they're not what they were, bit of a fluke run in 2018. They're not as strong as you would think, so that's what I'm going with. Um, all right, cool. Uh, let's kind of speed it up a little bit. We got
2: – Chad you got the next two groups Yeah so I'll take the final two groups Let's roll Starting with group E um, that's, That is Spain, Poland, Sweden and Slovakia uh, Spain obviously coming in as the favorite Minus 300 mm-hmm. uh, Coached by Luis Enrique uh, Big storyline coming into this one No Real Madrid players at all in the team Which is crazy if you think about it Like Real Madrid biggest club in Spain, having no players on their, on the Spanish national team heading into a major tournament, mm-hmm. uh, they expect to play normal formation. They're four three three or four two three one. However, you look at it, with De Gea, Alba, Laporte, who actually um, just switched from France to Spain. <clears throat> yeah, uh, what is
1: the rule? It's like you have to have under three under three caps or something.
2: I know in the past, Laporte hasn't played much for Spain. I mean, um, <clears throat> France. Mm-hmm. So if that's, if that's the rule, then he definitely gets the pass. Yeah. And then he'll be partnered with, uh, I think his name's Paulo Torres, won oh. the Liverpool League with uh, Villarreal, had a yeah. really good year. <clears throat> Marcos Llorente, uh, that utility player, I picked him up in my fantasy squad too, because I think he'll be playing any- anywhere. They want him. And then a question mark going in is who's going to play that bottom of the pivot, Rodri or Busquets? And then the front three, uh, Daniomo, Marata, and Ferran Torres. We've seen what Fran Torres can do with Man City. Pretty sure he had a hat trick earlier in the season with Man City. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he's a, he's a really good player on his day. Mm. Um, but Marata, um Mike, you're a Juventus fan, right? Of course. I don't know how you feel about Maratta, but I feel like he's only good for Juventus. And he's not even good. He just <clears throat> scores goals occasionally. Prevent this.
0: yeah i mean the thing is for you know for a striker and a top striker you expect a guy that's prolific and selfish in front of goal and is going to take his chances i think alvaro Morata is the absolute opposite of that this guy is a team player he's he, you, you give him you give him six chances in front of goal he'll maybe have one he could have zero um he's gonna you know he's gonna work hard out of possession i think he's gonna press he'll you know get the occasional yellow card for descent or flying in on someone late. Um, But, you know, I think this is a guy that uh, he's going to be a focal point in the attack as like a recognized nine, um, whereas some of these other guys, you know, are probably just going to try and play um, through the width. Um, So I think it's actually a result, especially in this Spain team of – not having a whole lot to choose from when it comes to center forwards. And I think he's going to do the unselfish work of holding up the ball, drawing a lot of fouls, um, making sure they can restart quickly. And, um, you know, I think provided with the service of guys like Farron Torres and co that can beat guys one V one and get service into the box. I think hopefully there'll be enough chances that he can get a few goals. Um, This guy is not someone that's going to create a whole lot for himself. It's usually he needs players around to provide that service. Um, but he'll definitely be someone that does a lot of work um, kind of in the shadows and, and picking up a lot of, uh, you know, crucial plays uh, that might not always result in goals. But I think will allow Spain to, to have a prolonged period in the tournament if, uh, if all goes well for them.
2: I agree. He's heading in this tournament at number one at, at the nine. Uh, but right behind him is Gerard Moreno. not sure if you guys are familiar with him. Had 35-plus goals for Villarreal this season. It would be interesting to – to see if if he gets to run up top. Um, but we expect Spain to dominate the ball possession in this in this group. Um, hey Chad, real quick. So I was just thinking about this
1: because we were talking about Spain. I don't know if you remember uh, last week Chad and I watched a replay of Portugal's U21 Euro game against uh, they playing? Spain. They're playing Spain actually. And Spain's U21 team was really good as well. So it was Portugal's, but I, for some reason I was just talking like nonsense, but one of the, one of the things I was saying was like, I feel like national teams will go in flows and like the flow is just did that like development, did those development years was the infrastructure in that country, like set up so that they could have like a golden, not really a golden generation, but you know what I mean? So like the years like to, to create that 2008 2010, 2012 run with Spain, it's like everything was set up perfectly. And I feel like there was like some years after that where people still expected Spain to be literally number one or number two in the world. And it was like, they, they weren't that. And I think some people still think of Spain as like, why isn't this team better? Why isn't, why are they number one in the world again? It's like, look at this team. They're all really good players, but like, they're not that. So I feel like they had their run and now they're, they're back down to being, eight to 12 in the world with an occasional like five or six. Does that make sense? You know what I'm trying to say?
2: Yeah. When well, the team has to run like that, if you look at the team when Spain won three major tournaments in a row, those yeah. players all grew up basically playing together, playing yeah. at the same club. It's just, it, to me, it's like, did the, did the
1: youth set up there? Just everything clicked at once. You get a little bit of luck, a lot of like
2: preparation just for that one window. Well, it has to click. If you if you win two Euros in a World Cup, yeah. then everything just has to click. You know. Yeah. So that's um, kind of what I was so, saying. So not the tiki-taka that we know, but Alejandro Moreno from ESPN said it best. They play tiki, but without the taka now. All right. So, I kind of – dude, Alejandro Moreno is annoying, man. So I don't know <laughs> about that one. That's what he said. Uh, then we also got Poland, coached by Paolo Sosa. Notable players, you guys probably know him, Chesney uh, Glick, and I think his, this dude's name is also Glick, the guy from um, Leeds, the left, left-footed player, Koukowiak, mm. and obviously uh, <clears throat> Lewandowski. Lewandowski coming off, I'd say, his best season, breaking uh, the Bundesliga record for most goals ever in a season. Mm. But if you look at this Poland team, does he have the players around him? to provide him the service like he does at Bayern Munich. Like, he's not going in this tournament. I don't think he is really close to being the, the top goal scorer because his team won't go far, but he also doesn't have the pieces around him mm-hmm. to provide the service. He's not the uh, flashy type of player to be able to cre- create his own opportunities, even though once he once he gets the opportunities, he will take them. Um, now, moving on to Sweden. Both Sweden and Poland are plus 600 to, get out the, to uh, win the group. But Sweden, some notable players are Lindelof, uh, Forsberg, uh, Isak, and uh, a player that I really like, Mike, let me know if you like him too, is Kula, Kulisevski from uh, Juventus. Um, He's I, Swedish? I, I would have yeah. had no idea. <laughs> I forget who he played for the previous year, but I thought he still had a good season with Juventus. Um Now storyline going into this Is no Zlatan Zlatan came out of retirement To play in these Euros But gets hurt this season And and is out for, for the Euros But I think this is the opportunity For Sweden to move on from Zlatan mm. And maybe bring in some young players Like Isak from Real Sociedad Who apparently is uh, a bright spot In the Swedish team um, So it would be interesting to see how Sweden are I think Sweden and Poland are very similar like I said like those teams that just really work hard like Sweden um was it last Euros they made it to the quarterfinals or was it the World Cup? I
1: don't remember it, in the World Cup teams, they made it to the quarterfinals yeah that's it
2: okay so they, like they got it like they, they they know what it takes to get to the quarterfinals so I wouldn't be surprised if if they uh if they can string together a few wins to
0: make it there again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, Chad. And, I think look for uh look for to be one of those players that could be like a young player of the tournament. This is a guy that in his last season at Parma before coming to the event is was Sarah, young, young player of the year. He's a guy that can run. Um, he can run at, you know, the outside back both with and without the ball. And I think when Sweden's looking for um, kind of one of those outlets when they're transitioning from defense to attack he's definitely going to be someone they're going to be looking to get the ball to either, you know, into his feet or into space and behind to exploit. So um, I love that you brought him up and I think he'll definitely be one for us to watch and to certainly write down about younger players making their mark on the tournament.
2: Definitely. He could be um, the player that they look for on the counter. It's coming from Juventus. Maybe he's the guy that they want to try and find when Juventus, it's Ronaldo, etc. And then <clears> – <throat> The last team in this group who I expect to come in last is Slovakia. Their coach is Stefan Tarkovic. I don't expect you guys to know him, but just mention him there. Notable players is Dubrovka. Hamshik, who's still playing, 34 years old. Oh, gosh. Legend. Has to be a legend in Slovakia. And then Milan Skriniar. Uh, He's at Inter Milan, am I correct? Correct. And – I've read some art- articles and some other storylines about this is that they don't have a significant number nine. And the number nine going in this tournament is a player named Michel Doris, and he hasn't scored for the national team since 2016. So this team's unsure where their goals are going to come from. Uh, that might mean more uh, production from the midfield, including Hamshik and whoever else they play there. So with uh, the lack of a number nine could hurt them, especially in in this group. Cool. So, what's your what's your final prediction for Group B? We're going with it. I say Spain finishes first, um, Poland in second because of the Wow. Sweden and then Slovakia. Um. So, are we thinking that you know in?
1: Like people might say, oh Lewandowski scores so many goals, uh, maybe he'll score like you know golden boot of the tournament. But I don't think Poland goes far enough to
2: give him that opportunity. Exactly, he might get two or three in the group stage, mm-hmm. maybe. But if if they if they finish runner up in this group, then they'll probably face a, a tough a tough team in the next round. Which cool, they'll be able to. Stop them from scoring. Cool. Uh, Chad, we got about 10 minutes left. so right, I'll be. run through the group of death for minutes, you guys. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> so we got, we got France, <clears throat> Portugal, Germany, and Hungary. Yeah, got France for the last World Cup winners. You got Portugal, the last Euro winners. And then Germany, the 2014 World Cup winners. Beginning with France, who are plus one. 115 to get uh, to win the group and plus 500 to win the whole tournament. Mm. Um, coach still coached by Didier Deschamps. Um Expect them to play a very similar team to what they did in the World Cup. So this team has a lot of experience, knows what it takes. Um, maybe take out Umtiti and he, he's not playing anymore. So Kipembe will probably slot in there, center back. Mm-hmm. And then Kante, uh, Pogba, and either Rabia or Tolisso will play as the other two right. mid. But uh, Benzema picked up a knock um, in their last friendly. So that might mean, which sucks for me because I picked them for, uh, in my fantasy team. That's awesome for you, Andrew, because Giroud. you've got the food. And fun fact for you, he is six goals away from breaking Terry uh France goal record. So maybe he'll actually score a goal this tournament, unlike the World Cup. If you told me, hey, we'll
1: win a World Cup, but the forwards aren't going to score goals, I don't think anybody would care. Get all the dirty work. Doesn't
2: matter. And obviously, you got Griezmann and Mbappe, and that speaks for, for itself. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people say they think Griezmann
1: will win either player of the tournament or golden boot. I mean, I don't know who will take the penalties, who will take the free kicks, but like, Griezmann seems like a guy – I think he dominated last year as well that just, like, balls out for his country. Like,
2: Yeah, huh. Griezmann for France, is, I think, is, is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, France is the – by far – well, not by far, but very much so the deepest team in the, in the whole tournament. Yeah. I mean, you've seen their whole second squad that they could have put out there, and it, it would beat most teams in this whole tournament. But now moving on to Portugal – coached by Fernando Santos uh, plus 350 to win the group and then plus 900 to win the whole tournament um, obviously you got the likes of Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandez, Bernardo Silva uh, Rafael Guerrero, um, I would they expect that uh, Fonte and uh, Ruben Diaz to be the starting center backs but I would like to see Pepe in there Mm-hmm. Pepe was so good for Porto uh, earlier in the Champions League this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question is, where will João Felix fit in this team? Mm-hmm. I feel like when you have Ronaldo in this team, uh, when they're on the attack, it's. I was watching their game against Spain, and they would Spain would dominate the ball. So when they would try and counter, the, Ronaldo would be the player that they that they looked for instead of uh, trying trying to build another way. I feel like this team's so revolved around Ronaldo still. Yeah.
1: Dude, I almost like – it's weird. I almost get would get more excited about this Portugal team if Ronaldo wasn't there. Not because he's not good or whatever. It's just like I just know what he is, you know?
2: God. Yeah, I know.
1: No, like, no diss on Ronaldo. I'm not an anti-Ronaldo guy. It's just like, come on, dude. Like, he's just kind of annoying. I mean, he,
2: won't, he won't do the work on defense. He'll just sit up there as the number nine. I mean – He'll get goals and create chances, of course. But a player that I'm really excited to see is Renato Sanchez. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's he is uh, going to be really good if he gets into that lineup, the way he like can drive with the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, they're the reigning Euro champ. Last year, was
1: Renato Sanchez was like – that was like his breakout party, and then he kind of flopped a little bit at Bayern, and now he's like back on the come-up.
2: Maybe he breaks out again. Mm-hmm. And, and then Germany, uh, Joachim Lowe's last, last go with this team, plus 135 uh, to win the group, plus 700 to win the tournament. Unsure what formation they're going to play, um, but ex- expect Kimmich to be in there somewhere, mm-hmm. Kunduan somewhere. uh forget the other center mid option they had. Oh, Cruz, Tony Cruz. <laughs> And then Goretzka. So they have four quality center mids. Yeah. It's going to be interesting how they, they see it work. But Kimmich in you know, a friendly, I think it was yesterday or the day before, was playing right wing back. So that should be interesting. Wow. And they have players who won the Champions League this year in, in Havertz, Werner, Rudiger. Yeah. In. Um, in a team like this, you want to see how all their attacking options play, like, mm. can, can play out. Uh, when they're when they're trying to play and build out, um, yeah. Like I said, it's the last tournament with Yugi Lo. So, uh, anything on Germany or those three giants of the group? Uh, I think the
0: one thing that's going to be really interesting with this France team is we're also talking about a team that, for several years now, it's guys that have kind of stuttered in their club careers, like. Even Paul Pogba, Antoine Griezmann having a lackluster career this year for uh, or season for Barcelona, rather. Um, You know, guys like Kimpembe and Kurt Zuma not really solidifying their places, um, you know, on the European stage as center backs. Um, So it's going to be really interesting to see if they come together and go ahead and dominate another tournament because this would be the strangest group of players not um, thriving in the club scene but doing it on the international stage. Um, so if they go ahead and they, they win another major tournament, it's going to be quite the opposite to like that Spain golden generation we talked about where a lot of those players were thriving both for club and country, where it seems like for a lot of these guys for the France national team, it's really just for country.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Like Andrew said before, too, that uh, like Griezmann just always seems to show out for his for his country. It seems like a lot of players for France do the same thing. hmm and we saw in the World Cup, they, all players played their role, and they, they won the whole thing. Yep. And then uh, heading into, expect the last last place team in this group, but like they, they, they're still a decent side. Hungry, <clears throat> coached by Marco Rossi, um, they've had uh, some great players in the past. Way before, way before now, obviously the key players are Willie Orban. Um, and a notable player is the new player for the Union, Gosdag. Mm-hmm.
1: Do he actually um, get minutes?
2: He's he's going. He's expected to start in the center of the park. Okay, so it'll be interesting to see him play against all these all these great teams. But the storyline going into this is no Dominic Shabaslai. He's the player from Leipzig who made the move to uh, no player from. Uh, Salzburg made the move to Leipzig, eventually made the move and opened up space for Aronson. Nice. But he, he, he would be the best player for Hungary in, the, in this tournament, young player, uh, but without him, they don't really have a whole lot of attacking options. But expect them to obviously figure something out. How do they play against all, all three of these teams? Imagine having to play France, then Portugal, then Germany. It's going to be tough for Hungary, but I think they I think they pick up at least one point.
1: I don't know about that. All right, so we got to, we got to go really quick. Uh, who's the winner? Second place?
2: Third place in this group? Winner's France. Second place is Germany, which most people might not agree. Third is Portugal. Okay, and then fourth is Hungary.
1: I could like kind of see a scenario where france finishes third i mean i think they get lucky they play Hungary first so i think they pick but like that's a game in a regular tournament setting right you see it in world cups and whatever where you know maybe they they sneak out with a you know maybe they tie or they pick up a couple yellows or something like that it doesn't go as planned and uh you know, and then, they're, then they have two tough games where it's really hard instead of getting the hard one out of the way first. Dude,
2: that could happen for anyone, though, too. Um, all right, so really quick
1: before we go, let's get a, uh, a final prediction. So who's – what's the, the two teams in the final and the winner and then uh, top goal scorer, and then we got to go. Uh, I don't
2: know how the bracket works.
1: About So the- it's A, B, and C are all on one side. And then the second place from all of those will go to the other side. The other side is D, E, and F. All right. If that makes sense.
2: Okay. So, uh, I, I'll I'll just give you my winner. All right. Who's your winner? I I think uh, I think France wins i think wow i'm just one of my winners i think i think france wins their second major tournament uh,
1: okay so Uh, this is their their golden generation i could see that as well it's weird because if they weren't in this this group this scenario where like it's so easy for them to possibly drop points or finish second they'll be on the other side but i do think uh this group being at the bottom, even like a set, the second place team, they'll go to the other side and at the bottom of that bracket. So, um, uh, I don't know who I think is the winner. I, I do really think Italy makes the final. Wow.
0: Um, I'm yeah. going to say Italy wins the entire tournament. Oh, I like I think that. This is, this is, this is a group that is not talked about enough. Um, This is the perfect combination within the entire tournament of both, um, you know, both finesse and absolutes when it comes to the art of defending. Um, And you know what? I think uh, I think Jose Mourinho has got something to say about this team going far. So look out for them. I'm predicting an Italy, France final, um, Mm. you know, with Italy going ahead and and conceding very, very few goals and scoring just enough to get them over the line. And that's what, you know, tournament soccer is all about. I like that. That's what, like,
1: that would be very similar to my prediction if it's just the margin for error for France to stay on that side of the bracket is, like, you got to win that group, you know? Yeah. I think um, it's
0: safe to say that we can, at least from my perspective, I think the winner of Group A will play the winner of Group F in the final.
1: That's the way I'm thinking, too, because I don't think Spain is that strong. England is really strong. It's just hard for me to see them – Gelling that quickly, uh, I I don't think Belgium is 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 that good. Like I, I just unless that front four is just absolutely on fire, I don't think they're that good. Uh, gonna
2: have so to score every team.
1: I think it's if Portugal good. somehow got through and was on the other side of the bracket, I'd say Italy Portugal, but I'm gonna go Italy and France as well. Uh, I guess I'll go France as the winner over Italy, but I, I think me putting Italy in the final is still like a testament to how good I think that team could be.
2: Who's your guy's top score? Top score. Uh, I would go with a player that – I think I'm going to go with Harry Kane, honestly. Yeah, a player that you expect to make it far takes penalties. Mm -hmm.
0: I'm going to take Harry Kane as well, both from penalties and set pieces and the run of play. I think he's got to be it.
2: I think uh, Romelu Lukaku. uh, Oh,
1: true, yeah. See, he'd be, like, such an easy pick if he were to take all of the penalties. Um, I think a lot of the French guys are just going to take away from each other. Maybe somebody from Germany. You know, maybe Werner catches fire and he gets a lot of goals. Immobile is good, but yeah. So I think we're, we're pretty much in agreement that France uh if they play their game, they get through the group, they'll be they'll be good going through. Italy's gonna be a strong team, and then uh we, we all think Harry King will probably score the most goals. I mean, from the run of play, he'll take some free kicks, he'll take all the penalties. So uh that's good stuff. All right, guys, I, I gotta get going. I gotta coach the next generation of uh of young soccer stars
2: thank you for coaching the next generation thanks guys
1: be well maybe we'll get on uh for the knockout rounds and and kind of recap and see what's going on but i gotta get going thanks guys see you all right guys peace